This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Whatever option you decide is best for you and your marriage, just make sure you leave an open line of communication with your partner so you can discuss things as things change, because they will. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you for being here today, everybody. It is the first Monday of the month, my friends. That means we're answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. After that, we're highlighting another Money Master of the Week. And last but not least, I am throwing down another MKM Challenge. This is where you and I improve ourselves one challenge at a time. (laughs) All right, let's jump into today's show. Our question of the month comes in from Kat. Hi, Andy. My name is Kat. I'm calling from San Diego. I am a listener of your amazing show. Thank you so much for the great topics that you have out. I do have a question. Um, I recently got married. Before getting married, we did take Financial Peace University with our church, um, and we were also doing biweekly budget dates. However, we decided to maintain our individual accounts along with opening up a joint account. We are wondering what's a good amount that you recommend as a percentage-wise to put into our joint account. We decided to do percentages because we wanted to, because we have different um, income. So we're just trying to figure out if you can help us out in regards to a percentage towards bills, savings, and our own personal accounts. Um, if you can please help me out here, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Kat, congratulations on your new marriage. That's awesome news. Enjoy every minute of that first year together. It is really, really special. I don't actually have a ton of experience with not merging finances together. Nicole and I combined our finances right after we got married. And for the most part, it's worked out pretty well. We still have disagreements from time to time, but all in all, it's been a pretty decent arrangement for both of us. Actually, I decided to consult my lovely bride on the answer to your question. And we came up with two options for you to consider. Let's go over option one first. Option one would be to have three accounts, yours, his, and the joint account. So how do you go about that process? Number one, add your take-home pay to his take-home pay to find out what your combined take-home pay is. So let's say, for example, you're making 60K, he's making 40K, and that equals $100,000 take-home. Obviously, I chose $100,000 because that's going to be an easy math problem for everybody. (laughs) Number two, divide your take-home pay by that total combined take-home pay to find out your contribution percentage into the joint checking account. So again, let's say you're making 60 and the total is 100. This is take-home pay for that matter. Your percentage would be 60%. We do the same thing for him in number three here. We take his take-home pay, divide it by the uh, total, 
And so it's 40K divided by 100. His percentage is 40%. And then once you have both your percentages, so you're 60, 60% and he's 40%, number four would be to decide together what your joint family expenses are going to be. Are these the big things like the mortgage, taxes, insurance, groceries, gas, utilities? Do you throw the cars into this number as well if you have if you both have your own car? So is that a joint expense or would that be individual? You guys need to decide these types of things. And then what if kids come into the picture? How do you decide the costs for oh, daycare or let's see, uh, diapers? How about if uh, little Chloe wants to go to gymnastics camp this summer? <laughs> uh, you'll have to, you'll, some of these, these are some of the things you might want to talk about as you're making these decisions. What, what, dis, what is going to go into the joint expense category? So that's number four. Decide what's in there. Let's say, for example, for this easy math problem, let's say your joint expenses end up being about 5,000 bucks per month. And then number five, next thing you got to do is decide what's not in that number. Are cell phones personal? Are they joint? How about haircuts? <laughs> Are those personal? I guess they probably would be personal. <laughs> How about retirement savings? If you guys are going to be having retirement savings that you'd spend together, how does that work? So again, this is all personal. Decide what is in your joint expense category and what is not. And then number six, once you've determined what is and is not a joint expense, then multiply your contribution percentage by the estimated joint expense total. So for you, Kat, that would be 60% in this example times 5,000 bucks. So your contribution would be $3,000 per month for you. And then for your man, 40% times $5,000 would be 2000 bucks for him. So since your income in this example is a little higher than his, you would be contributing a little bit more to that joint expense account. And then number seven, just make sure that you are breaking up that amount each month. So you're falling in line with that percentage split. So it's fair and even. For me, as I'm describing this, it, it does seem fair and equitable, but it also feels like a lot of work, but that's just me. So I know a lot of people out there do the separate accounts and it works well for them, but I want to give you another option to consider. This is the one that Nicole and I've been doing, <laughs> and that's really the extent of my knowledge in this category. <laughs> so option two would be one account with very explicit budget categories. So what you would do is combine all of your earnings into one joint checking account. Then you'll want to create categories in a budgeting system like Mint or Tiller or Personal Capital or HoneyFi or YNAB. And those categories are going to allow you to have the same freedom and autonomy as the separate checking accounts without all the hassle of moving and having these separate checking accounts. Then you're going to want to talk together about what you feel is the most important expense in your relationship first. This will probably start off with the important things like keeping the roof over your head. So paying your mortgage or paying your utility bills, groceries, car payments, etc. You mentioned that uh, FPU was a big thing for you at your church. So perhaps giving or tithing is important to you. Maybe that's up there. Savings goals will probably come up as well, 
But the point of this exercise to do with your husband is to decide what is most important to you as a couple and then prioritize the expenses from top to bottom. That way you guys are having some great conversations together. And just as a reminder, and I need to remind myself of this quite a bit, both of your opinions matter. What's important to him might not be that important to you, but that's okay. Find the small expenses and goals that you do agree on first, and then move on to the next one. Leave yourself a healthy miscellaneous or fun money or whoops category to help reduce the money fights. One for each of you is a great way to go that will help reduce the nitpicking at each other from the small purchases. So, you know, just allocating a little bit of money in those to uh, reduce the money fights would be a, a smart way to go. As you start to create these categories and put it all in there, it, you're probably not going to get it right for the first couple of months, but just give it a try and eventually you're going to work, work out the kinks and you're going to find the speed and the method that works well for you. I would highly recommend whatever you do, getting together periodically to discuss your finances and your budget and your financial goals together. Nicole and I get together once per month for our budget party. And actually, we're a little late on it this week. We got to we gotta get on that. But when we do our budget party, sometimes we get together and we have a little pizza, we have a cocktail, or if it's nice outside, which it has been really nice lately, uh, the kids ride their bikes around on the driveway and we get our budget together and uh, work it out. That way we're sitting outside soaking up some sun, or sometimes we even go to a restaurant, lay out all the receipts, <laughs> and get uh, get our budget done. And uh, it really helps us to plan out our month, and it helps us to stay on the same financial page together. So I would highly recommend that get-together, whichever of these options you choose. Uh, fun family fact, though, Kat, you talked about both you and your husband have different incomes, uh, one being higher than the other. And for us, in our marriage, Nicole and I, uh, throughout the entirety of our marriage, Nicole and I have earned very different levels of income. When we started off, when we got married in 2010, Nicole was earning a lot more than I was. And then eventually I earned more than her. And then she became a stay-at-home mom and didn't have any income. But what remained consistent was our continued conversations each month and we found something that really worked for us and we stuck with it. I think you two were really smart to take FPU when you did, right when you got together. Uh, Nicole and I did something similar that really helped to start our marriage off on the right foot. The main thing that I really like about that class is that it emphasizes how important communication is at the start of your marriage, especially when it comes to money because we know how many fights or how many divorces come out of money fights, man. So kudos to you guys for getting that going, and congratulations on your new marriage. I hope this advice helps you. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, 
reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. It's time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Matt from Canada connected with me about a life-changing tradition that he started with his young daughter, Gemma. Take it away, Matt. Like you, I kind of got kick-started into this whole personal finance thing on like the Dave Ramsey train. And also, like you, love a lot of what he teaches. Um, don't agree with absolutely everything, but I think his his foundational values and kind of what he what he sets out as far as like setting people up for success is is fantastic. And so, when him and his daughter Rachel uh, Cruz came out with uh, their book Smart Money Smart Kids, my wife and I thought, you know what, this would be a perfect book for us to. Uh, to get we at that time we had just uh, our daughter was quite young she's five now but I think she was like around two or three at the time and so we picked this book up and I started reading through it and it had a lot of really great foundational kind of common sense things but almost so common that I don't I think people miss a lot of this stuff and so one of the things he talked about I know he references on his uh, on his show at times is um, how they paid their kids on commission. And so I really liked that idea. I, I didn't like the idea of like, you know, just giving our daughter money just sort of for, you know, existing. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to teach her the value of, you know, working for what she got. I really wanted her to connect. Like if she works, she'll get paid. If she doesn't work, she won't get paid. And so um, we set up a, a system uh, based on kind of what was in that book, Smart Money, Smart Kids. And what they kind of recommended was um, having like a number of jars. And I know I've seen this on Pinterest and online and stuff like that. And so what we did was we set up three jars, kept it very simple for her. Um, one jar is for giving. Um, we're huge believers in uh, in being generous uh, and tithing. And so we wanted to really instill that in her from a young age. And so um, she has one jar for giving and then she has another jar for saving. And so that saving is for kind of more like long-term savings. Now, I mean, she's five, so she's not saving for like a car or like college or anything like that at this point, but it's, you know, bigger things. Actually, I was just chatting with her, uh, just chatting with her, uh, a few minutes ago and, you know, she was talking about what the big purchase that she's got her eyes on right now is she's super into horses right now. So the big purchase she's got her eyes on is this horse that walks all by itself. So you like, you know, you set it up and you press a button and this thing like walks all by itself. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, uh, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, and the thing, and it's expensive, right? Like it's probably like 50 bucks. So for a five-year-old, you know, that's going to take her a while. So that's her long-term savings. And then the other jar is her spend jar. And that's kind of, you know, if she wants to go to the dollar store, if she sees some candy that she wants to buy, kind of that's more sort of the short-term, uh, short-term uh, spending. And so every week she's got a chore chart and uh, we keep it up on our fridge. My wife, she's super, super talented when it comes to designing these things. And so she designed a little chore chart with some visuals. We're both teachers, my wife and I. Uh, my wife is actually a school counselor. So we know, you know, the visuals are really big for kids. They need the visuals in order to connect that to uh, 
to their learning. And so she has like little pictures. So some of her chores, I mean, they're pretty straightforward. I know I've listened to your podcast, very similar, right? Like one of her chores is getting dressed by herself at this point, which doesn't sound like a big deal. But I mean, if you've got a five-year-old, you know, that's nice. If they can, exactly, if they can get dressed by themselves, right? She brings her dishes over after, uh, after supper. That's another one of her chores. Um, you know, she has to make her bed in the morning just to clean up her toys. We have one category, which I really like kind of gives us a lot of freedom. It's the helping others category. Mm. Um, and so that, I mean, that can be everything from, you know, we need a diaper for her younger brother and she zips upstairs and grabs us, uh, grabs us a diaper to, you know, helping maybe her brother or some of her friends clean up their toys kind of, and, you know, it's been cool to see. She really has connected with the helping others. She, you know, she'll ask, you know, dad, does that count as helping others? Yeah. Gemma, that totally counts as helping, uh, as helping others. And so she, the payday, just like a regular job once a week, uh, we pay her. Usually it's on a Sunday. Uh, I have to admit dad sometimes forgets, uh, <laughs> dad sometimes gets caught up in things. She's good to remind me when I've been, uh, when I've been forgetting, but, uh, so we pay her dollar fifty, which, you know, some people might sound, say is a little cheap. You know, I prefer the term frugal, although <laughs> after I've been listening a little bit to the guys at Choose FI, and I really like Brad's term. I'm a valuist. There you that's, go. Uh, that's what I am. I'm not, I'm not cheap. I'm a valuist. So <laughs> we pay it out in quarters, and we split it up. So the first thing, she puts one quarter in the give jar, and we always make sure she does that first because, like I said, we're, we're big believers in, you know, giving from what, what we have at the start, not kind of what's left over. So she gives that first. Then she puts three quarters in her long term uh, in her long term savings, and then she puts two quarters in her uh, in her short term. And uh, we we hum along, and you know what? It's been really cool to see how she uh, how she kind of has connected with that. I'm always looking for ways to improve, so I asked Matt to dive a bit deeper into how he promotes giving with Gemma. I mean, I'm a huge believer in more is caught than is ever taught, and so you know. You can tell your kids to do one thing, but really they're 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 picking up on what you're actually doing. And so we, my wife and I, we really try and model it. And I I can't take any credit for myself because it's something that was modeled to me by my parents, and I'm very fortunate it was modeled to my wife as well. Like I mean, I can remember as you know a five year old boy, you know my parents giving me money to put in the offering plate at uh, at church, and so they were kind of they were instilling in me this idea that you know what we have isn't really ours we're just looking after it you know what i mean and really it, it it it's all it's all god's i mean we're we're christians and so we really believe in the whole idea of tithing and so with uh, with gemma i mean especially gemma because major's still a little too young but i mean we talk about what it means to be generous so for example like she she puts the money in the uh in this in the give jar and at christmas time my school was doing um operation christmas child boxes um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with those no. through like Samaritan's purse and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, it's a, it's a shoe box and you pack a shoe box for, um, a boy or a girl of like a certain age and you fill it with toys and you fill it with like, you know, toiletries and you fill it with a whole bunch of different things and you load it up, pack it up in this, in a bag, uh, in a, a shoe box. And it's like a pre-made shoe box from this charity Samaritan's purse. And then you, uh, we, we typically, we bring it to our church and then they pack it up and they send it off and it goes to, it goes overseas somewhere and a child who, you know, doesn't typically get uh, anything for Christmas gets this on, on Christmas. And so that was a fantastic learning opportunity because, you know, Gemma and I, we, uh, we went out to the dollar store 
she had some money that had accumulated in her give uh, in her give jar. So we went out to the dollar store and we said, you know, okay, we're buying for you know a, a five to seven year old girl. So you know, what would you you know what would you like? What would you like to put in there? And so we picked out a whole bunch of different things. Oh, let's pick out some markers. Oh, these pencil crayons would be cool. She's gonna need paper, you know. So we went and we kind of we kind of worked through what that would look like, and we were able to get a whole you know, a whole whack load of stuff. And it was great. We came back to the house, we packed it up in this box. And, you know, while we were doing that, it was a perfect opportunity for us to converse back and forth about the why behind why behind the shoe box. So we talked, you know, like, why do we do this? Well, you know what? God has been very generous to us. He has, he has blessed us with lots of money, more money than we need. And so, you know, what, what we want to do is we want to give to people that don't have as much money as, uh, as us and this is one of the ways that we can uh, that we can do that and so it was great i mean it op- it opened up a ton of conversations and i know again listening to your podcast you know i've heard your daughter has a real generous heart right i know you told that one story about driving by i don't know if that was on your i think that was on your podcast or maybe it was on choose a five i'm not sure but where you were driving past that homeless person and you know your daughter really just connected with that wanted to help him right and mm-hmm. so uh, we want to really be intentional about kind of spurring spurring that on. And as she gets older, you know, we'll be even more intentional about telling her, you know, what that looks like for us. We have a couple of, um, like children that we sponsor and stuff like that. And so, you know, that's a great opportunity to be able to talk with her about how we're helping those children out and how we're giving to our church and, you know, just how we're really managing our money. And, and then, I mean, even just, it'll really lead into, great conversations we can have where we can tell her, you know, like we've given this money away, but what we've received, whether it's in terms of like financial things or just even the joy or other things that we have received back far exceeds anything that we have ever, that we'd ever given away. And I'm, I mean, I'm super excited to just even talk to her about the fact, um, you know, I'm a huge believer in you give money away because one, you want to be generous and two, it's not yours. At least that's, you know, as Christians, that's what we believe. And then thirdly, if you give it away, the money doesn't own you then. You actually, you're in charge of the money. If you feel free enough to actually give that money away, you're not a slave to it. You know, you're you're the one who's in charge of that money. And so I'm excited to have those conversations with her as she gets older. And really, like my wife and I are really trying to be intentional about laying that foundation early on. Um of being generous and not being, you know, having that abundance mindset, right? Like, yes, you're giving that, you're giving that money away, but there's way more where that came from and whatever you give away, you know, you'll get back and not necessarily financially, but Mm -hmm. you'll get back much more than you could ever hope to, uh, than you could ever hope to. When I asked Matt to help inspire and motivate others who would love to get a chore and reward program started for their kids, here's what he had to say. I mean, it does take it does take a little bit of time to do the chore chart, but I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. Uh, doesn't have to be anything fancy, right? I mean, you go to Walmart and you can buy like you know one of those like erasable whiteboards, and you know you draw some columns with the chores and you write them up there. If you're if you're any if you have any bit of artistic talent, which I do not, um, you know, you could do a little sketch of whatever the job is. Um, and my advice would be to kind of start small, right? Like, don't bite off more than you can. Uh, don't bite off more than you can chew. And I really try and make it fun for, for Jim. I mean, we talk, I mean, kids love money. Uh, kids love talking about money. I know, you know, as a teacher, I, I teach a personal finance class to my fifth and sixth graders. I mean, 
They love talking about money. They love talking about everything related to, to money because it's not oftentimes something that they get to talk about a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kids are the same, whether they're five or whether they're 15, right? They like talking about about that, uh, about money. And so I would, you know, I would start small and, you know, I would uh, just encourage them to set up a little bit of a, a chart. Again, ours is really simple. You know, you have like five to seven chores and it just runs for an entire week and, they do their chore. You just, you check it off. And then at the end of the week, we're not too comp. You know, I don't, I don't make it too complicated. Like if they miss, if she misses a, you know, if she misses a day where she does something, you know, it's not a huge deal to me. I'm not, you know, subtracting a certain percentage of her total at the end. It's really, it's really informal at this, at this stage. Like I said, the whole key is I want to just connect working with, uh, with getting paid. And honestly, a great place to start too is I know I referenced that, uh, that Dave Ramsey book, smart money, smart kids. It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great read, but I mean, you don't even need to read anything. Just go, like I said, uh, a cheap whiteboard and you don't even need to go like the dollar store, right? A cheap, cheap whiteboard that you can stick on your, uh, on your fridge, magnetic whiteboard or something like that, some columns and, um, the jars. I mean, we use like old tea jars. You can use like a Mason jar and my wife just wrapped them in, uh, like wrapping paper. Like I said, my wife's kind of, she's crafty and she's good at all that sort of stuff. So she designed them and make, made them look really cute and really nice and stuff like that. And yeah, it really, I mean, it was, it's pretty, it was pretty simple and pretty straightforward. It did require us to be a little bit intentional, um, about how we were going to do it. And again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm perfect. I'm not, we miss stretches where like, you know, where we should be doing it. And it's like, Oh shoot, we haven't, uh, we haven't put any money in the jars for the last couple of weeks. Like we need to get on this because it's life, right? Life happens. But, um, you know, I don't think, uh, I think something is definitely better than nothing when it comes to laying the foundation with this. You can follow Matt and get some excellent personal finance and parenting advice at methodtoyourmoney.com. That's methodtoyourmoney.com. Matt. Thank you so much for sharing this awesome family tradition with us and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? I would love to hear it. Please shoot me an email at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. It's always cool to hear the voice of the person that I'm connecting with. Emails are great too, but man, it's fun to hear your voice. (laughs) If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month 
each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. For our final segment of the day, I wanted to throw down another MKM challenge. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I'm all about pushing myself to be a better dad, a better husband, and just a better person altogether. That's the purpose of this challenge, and I always ask for you to join along with me. So, my challenge for this month is to become average. Yes, you heard me right. I want to work hard, change my ways, and become average. Okay, let me elaborate. According to an incredible article by ZenSense, which I will link to the link in the show notes, the average American, the average American, my age, 36, that's how old I am, donates 2.34% of their annual income to charitable organizations. The average American overall donates 3.32% of their income. Some give 0%, some give upwards of 40%, but the average in America is 3.32%. My personal challenge will be to adjust my current annual contributions so I can meet my age group average immediately, like today. I don't want to be below average anymore. I at least want to be average and then improve from there. And then my stretch goal for the month just as it's mentioned in the ZenSense article, will be to adjust my budget to reach the average level of an American donating to charity. Again, that's just 3.32%. So why do I want to do this? Number one, I want to be more giving. There are millions of people out there around the world that lack the basic needs to live And when I'm concerned about how quickly we're being served at our favorite restaurant, I think my perspective and my priorities are a little, a little off. I want to be a giver. I want to be someone who cares about their neighbor and lends a hand to someone in need. Number two, I want my kids to become more giving. And if I want my kids to be more giving, if I want them to be the best little humans they can be, then I need to show them how. And as our Money Master of the Week, Matt, just said, more is caught than taught. And then number three, as I mentioned earlier, I don't want to be below average. Being below average has never been something I've enjoyed in the past. Why would I want to be below average with my giving? It's time for a change, Mr. Hill. So how am I going to do this? How am I going to get it done? Number one, I'm going to analyze my current giving. And as I mentioned earlier, Mint has been a huge help for Nicole and I, and it was uh, pretty easy just to bring it up. So I am actually giving a below average 
rate of 2.27%. Come on, Andy. You can do better than that. <laughs> anyway, that's my, that's my dismal rating right now. 2.27%. Number two, I'm going to review my budget to see where I can trim back. And I know that there are, there's got to be plenty of areas where I can, where I can trim back. First thing that comes to mind, actually, now that I'm, now that I'm talking about it, Audible. I've been doing the monthly subscription of about 15 bucks for about two years now. I can, I can go to the library instead. I don't need to do the Audible. It's, it's nice. It's convenient. I get some new books, get some new knowledge. But um, that's, that's a quick and easy one. I could change. Number three, find new money. If, uh, if I can't find enough savings, I need to find some new money in order to meet this goal. And I can even take up my own challenge that I have on my website for saving $1,000 in three easy steps without leaving your home. So I, need, I, I wrote that about a year ago, and I think I need to take a look at it myself and take myself up on some of those challenges I made already. Uh, number four, I'm going to set a specific short-term goal. So now I am 0.07% away from becoming an average giver for my age, the age of 36. So actually my, my short-term goal, I'm going to do it right now. Just, just give me one minute. Okay, I did it. I went to charitywander.com and adjusted our recurring donation. And I am officially average for my age group. All right. (laughs) Number five, plan my average giver goal. So now this is going to be, this is going to require a little bit more organization and planning than me just going on and making this quick donation to Charity Water to get over the (laughs) 0.07% mark. I need to set my recurring donations to hit an annual level of 3.32% of my income. So that's going to require a little bit more planning, a little bit more collaboration with Nicole during our budget party this month, but I think, I think we can get there. A little bit more conversations need to happen. Number six, decide who's getting the donation. Is, I, I, I don't know yet. Is, is, is more going to go to my church or other organizations that uh, Nicole and I are feeling passionate about lately? For the past six years, we've donated to World Vision through their Adopt a Child program. Each of our kids has a child that matches up with their birthday. So they will remember to think of others in need on their big day. So maybe we can give more to world vision, but, uh, this will be the fun part, figuring that out together. Number seven, set a recurring payment. I recently read the automatic millionaire by David Bach. And one of the last chapters in the book and one of the most impactful ones for me was when he was talking about automatic giving. So we, automatically save for our retirement. We automatically pay down our debt. We automatically save in our savings account. We do the same thing with automatic giving. So once we know how much we can give and who we want to give to, we'll make it automatic, just like our retirement accounts or our monthly savings. This way it becomes habit. And that's what I want to do. I I want this to be a habit of ours. I want giving to be a recurring thing that we do as a family. And I know my kids will be watching, as, as Matt said in our Money Master of the Week segment there. Now, every good challenge 
is more fun when you include friends. So who is willing to join me in this month's MKM challenge to become a more giving person? If you are interested, here's what I will ask of you. Number one, do the calculation to see how much your net income you're actually giving to charity. It might just be enlightening for you. Number two, compare that to the average shared in the ZenSense article in the show notes that I will have in there for you to your age group or your income level or just the national average. Again, this will be an enlightening moment for you to just see where you stack up. Number three, have a discussion with your spouse or your significant other, or if you're single, someone you just trust and share your thoughts and feelings about increasing your giving. Personally, it's a, it's a difficult thing for me to open my hand up a little bit more um, because I've worked so hard to hit some of these goals that giving it away seems kind of counterintuitive, but I like it. I like the feeling of giving. Number four, Decide what level is right for you. I have some Christian friends that give 10% of their income, and I think that is incredible. I'm not quite there yet, but I hope to be one day. So ask yourself, can you give just a little bit more than you're giving today? And that's what I tried to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not at quite a 10% tither, but I said, hey, man, what can I do? Maybe I can hit the average. Maybe, And maybe for you, it's just like, what can I do to give 10 more dollars a month? You know, that would be a big deal for you. And find an organization that you're really excited about. And then lastly, number five, contact me and tell me that you did this. Or contact me and tell me why you didn't do it. I would love to hear people's thoughts on this topic. I'm new to being a more generous giver, I'll say. And I, I want to improve. Having folks doing the challenge with me will be a lot of fun and a good motivator. So, so that's it. The challenge has been laid down. Who is in? Again, email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or send me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 81. This month on the show, we have another excellent lineup of inspirational guests. Next week, Liz Gendro joins us to discuss how she's been able to grow her career to the six-figure level and how it's helped her to reach millionaire status in her 30s. Wow. The week after that, I have an enlightening chat with Pam Andrews, who shares how she helped her son get $700,000 in college scholarships. Oh, my God. Since I'm panicking over Zoe and Calvin's future college costs, this chat will hopefully calm me down. (laughs) The following Monday, I'm going to do something a little different. Taking a page from my Young Family Wealth Playbook, I am planning to share my top 10 learnings from almost two years of interviewing self-made millionaires, personal finance experts, and financially independent rock stars. You won't want to miss it. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Anne Frank. No one has ever become poor by giving. We can be giving in our marriage, with our kids, and with our neighbors in need. Carpe diem. <laughs>